Um, on a very difficult passage. <laughs> I'm glad it's him that's doing it, and not me. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. Okay. I'm reading from the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verses 18 to the end. To the church in Thyatira, to the angel of the church in Thyatira, write, These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burning bronze. I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely, unless they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds, and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any other burden on you. Only hold on to what you have until I come. To those who overcome and do my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. They will rule them with an iron scepter. They will dash them to pieces like pottery, just as I have received authority from my Father. I will also give them the morning star. Those who have ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is the word of the Lord. I hope you've actually um, enjoyed engaging with these letters uh, to the seven churches as we've gone through these last few weeks, both on Sunday mornings and on Sunday evenings. A little jaunt around modern-day Turkey. Um, But as you've listened, um, you've probably realised it isn't actually a summer holiday jaunt in the sun. Light relief for the Christian tourist. This is serious stuff, as... We get a sense of how Jesus sees his church and his desperate desire that his church shines out in the darkness. And on our travels uh, this morning, we've reached this place called Thyatira. It's a pretty inconsequential sort of city. It's the smallest of the seven cities, um, yet it's in receipt of the longest of the seven letters. So we've travelled 45 miles southeast of Pergamum, to a place whose main claim to fame was its textile industry and its various trade guilds. More about those in a moment. And for those of you with good Bible knowledge, you'll remember that uh, in Acts 16 we're introduced to a person called Lydia, who's one of the early converts to Christianity, and she is a dealer in purple cloth from this place, from Thyatira. Now, each of the revelations given to John on the island of Patmos begins with a description of Jesus. These are the words of. And earlier on in our service, uh, Joe used some of the words from chapter 1, which is at the beginning of all of these revelations uh, to John. 
And it's often some of those, uh, those words and parts of that description that are then picked up in the introductions to each of the letters. So to the church in Ephesus, we had, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lamp- lampstands. To the church in Smyrna, it was, these are the words of him who is the first and the last, who died and came to life again. To the church in Pergamum, these are the words of him who has the sharp double-edged sword. And then this morning, these are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. These words are really significant as an introduction to this particular letter. We're reminded these are the words of the Son of God. There is great authority between these quite harsh words. And we have this image of Jesus, the Son of God, with eyes like blazing fire and feet like burnished bronze. Bronze feet reference to the uh, bronze refining industry in Thyatira. But I want us to particularly hold on to that image of Jesus with eyes like blazing fire. This image may not be hundreds of percent perfect, but I think it's helpful in the context of uh, reflections this morning. Today we hear from the one who truly sees, who sees the reality of our lives and the life of his church. He sees beyond the superficiality and sees with depth. Jesus has piercing vision and cannot be deceived. But as he speaks through John to the church in Thyatira, initially there's a bit of a thumbs up. He commends them. So verse 19, he talks about their deeds, their love, their faith, their service and their perseverance. You can imagine as the congregation are hearing this letter read to them, they're lulled into a false sense of security. They're thinking, yeah, we're doing okay. Jesus quite likes us. We're quite good, we're quite loving towards one another. We're full of faith, we serve one another. We persevere through the challenging times. Yeah, we're doing all right. Let's pat ourselves on the back. But then there's that dreaded word, nevertheless. Chris drew attention to it last week as he reflected on the church in Pergamum. It's where the the letter turns. Yet you're doing some things well... But there's a few things you really need to up your game on. Now to understand this morning's nevertheless, we need some context because it is a difficult passage. First of all, the context of this Jezebel character and then something on the business life of Thyatira. So for Jezebel, we have to go back to the Old Testament. And Jezebel is a nasty piece of work. She's the wife of King Ahab, who's one of the worst of the kings of Israel. And Ahab and Jezebel between them were luring the people of Israel to be unfaithful to their God with lives of idolatry and lives of sexual excess. And we read uh, in 2 Kings about the way in which Jezebel had many of the godly prophets murdered. This is around the time of um, Elijah. So Elijah was the prophet of God who was speaking out most, calling the people back to him. Jezebel was one who tolerated no opposition and eventually met a rather unfortunate end. It's quite amusing in some ways. Well, it was to me, but perhaps I've got a dark sense of humour. She was um, 
doing her makeup and putting her hair straight up in some upper window in a castle or tower or palace or whatever, when um, someone pushed her out of the window and her makeup and her new hairdo didn't do her much good because she got eaten by dogs and trampled on by horses. So you can read about that in 2 Kings 9. It's a bit X-rated, but, you know. That was Jezebel. And so we fast forward 900 plus years, and in Thyatira, you've got all sorts of these trade guilds. So guilds for leather workers, for potters, linen workers, bronze smiths. And associated with belonging to these guilds were great feasts where meat sacrificed to idols was eaten. And each of the trades would have had their own god who was worshipped. And there was a great deal of sexual immorality going on. And to carry out your trade and build your business network, you didn't use LinkedIn. You were expected to be part of these guilds and participate in all that was going on. And it seems that a self-proclaimed leader in the church, codenamed Jezebel, is teaching that it's perfectly okay to call yourself a Christian and be a part of these guilds with all that they represented. And so there were these uh, fledgling Christians who were joining together to worship, who were no doubt praying together and sharing bread and wine together, and had this aura of respectability about them. But they were then getting caught up in these trade guilds where all all of their sort of morals went out the window, all sense of holiness and responsibility to God. And Jezebel, this self-proclaimed prophetess, was saying... It's all right, don't worry, God won't mind that. But the Jesus of piercing eyes sees the reality and has very harsh and direct words to say to them. And his language is deliberately harsh and intense because these things matter. Through John, Jesus is saying, you simply cannot compromise like this. Be holy as I am holy. God's heart is that people repent, turn away from evil and back to him because the evil of humanity is offensive to our holy God. And we're told that the Jezebels of this world will get short shrift on judgment day. If we were to go to the Gospels and we are to turn to Matthew 18, we'd read this, verse 6. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble... It would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Those were words of Jesus. That's how you know, passionate Jesus is for his people, his loved ones. And when people start pulling his loved ones away from him, distracting them, then there is a harsh judgment. We've got it all wrong when we just portray a soft touch lovey-dovey God who doesn't care about how we live our lives and isn't bothered about the evils and the injustice of this world. Because God's heart aches. God's heart aches over the effects of climate change and our apathy towards environmental issues. God's heart aches over the over-sexualisation of our culture. The fact that the average age at which young people first access pornography is is age 10. His heart bleeds over famine, over people drowning in the bid for a better life away from oppressive regimes. 
over all forms of abuse, over the gap between rich and poor. The eyes of Jesus are on us. They're compassionate eyes, as we're reminded of regularly in the Gospels, but they're also piercing eyes that see the reality of our world and weep. Those eyes that see led Jesus to the cross. Jezebel's was a voice which drew people away from their true calling. Maybe we look at it today and see it as a rather sort of blatant trap and voice and something that could easily be avoided. But we all know it's easy to be blinded to the truth and to be lured away from lives of total submission to God. Just as some in this fledgling church in Thyatira were being led astray and succumbed to false teaching and temptation, so we can easily be deceived. Temptation might be blatant, or it might be something really, really subtle. Attitudes slowly creeping in. Habits or behaviours just creeping up on us and gaining a grip in our lives. And God gradually is shifted from first place down the hierarchy. Sins of commission where we choose deliberately to dishonour God and sins of omission where we stop doing things which honour him. And all of us, every single one of us, is open to that temptation to being distracted. If you think you're standing firm, be careful you don't fall, we read elsewhere. And as a church community, we might get sidetracked. Hopefully it won't be from false teaching from any of us at the front or even from one another. But there are still temptations there. And even with the incredible opportunities we've got with the new reordering project, we must make sure that, as Joe's reminded us this morning, it's all about mission and it's all about the people who God loves, that the building itself doesn't become an idol to us. The Son of God sees and grieves over our frailties and failings. And yet this letter ends not with condemnation, but with encouragement. And we see that if we keep short account with God, if we turn back when we fall into sin, if we seek to do his will and live his way, there will be a reward. And the faithful servants of Jesus will one day share in his rule and reign. Now, I can't even begin to grasp what that looks like in reality, how it works. But I sure want to be a part of it, and I hope you do too. Jesus says we will receive the morning star, generally believed to refer to the the fullness of life with Christ himself. So it means that as we reflect on this passage and others in this series, we need to be honest with ourselves. We need to be honest with ourselves as individuals and honest with ourselves as a church community. Where are the places where we are prone to wander from God's ways? And let's keep, seek to keep short account with the one who truly sees. And let's persevere in seeking after him and serving him with those characteristics which were commended at the beginning of the letter. The love, the faith, the service, the perseverance. Until that day when we do indeed receive our full inheritance. Amen. 
And as an expression of our desire to put God first and stay focused on him, we're going to sing again, and it's uh, an old hymn but put to a new tune. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. So let's